Welcome into College Basketball Recruiting Weekly. I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein, and we have yet another college basketball season preview show on tap for you here today. We're going to talk about two conferences, the ACC and the SEC, and we're going to do it the same way we've done it in the past. We're going to begin with the teams that legitimately have a chance to win a championship this year. Then we are going to talk about the best players, and by that I mean the best college basketball players this coming season, which can be very different than the league's best NBA prospects, and that is going to be the last thing we are going to consider. In order to help me in this endeavor, I want to welcome in 24-7 Sports national writer Isaac Trotter. Isaac, welcome back to the show. Go, baby. It's time. It's time. The season starts in a couple weeks. Here we go. All right. Now, we're going to use the same script. I'm going to go off of your previews, which you can find at 247sports.com, and I'm going to let you lead the way. In the ACC, the team that you have atop the list, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got Duke at number one. What's, what's the uh, rationale for that? Duke is a clear number one for us. I think there's a real tear break between Duke and the rest of the league. And it's just the raw talent that John Shire and crew have, have really accumulated. Two elite recruiting classes that they've stacked on top of each other. There's just five-star talent galore throughout this list. And when you have guys like Kyle Filipowski and Tyrese Proctor entering their sophomore year, and you have a, a great freshman class coming in, Caleb Foster and Jared McCain are the two to know there. And you have a veteran coming back in Jeremy Roach. It feels like Duke has a lot of different ways that they can play a lot of different mouths to feed, but this is the most talented roster in the ACC. I think they have the highest floor in the ACC and the highest ceiling. They're a clear number one in the ACC, have a really good chance to be a number one team in the country at some point this season. I would agree with that. And the other player I'm going to give a shout out here to is Mark Mitchell, who I thought exceeded expectations last year as a freshman. I think he's sneakily going to be among the best players in the conference. I also think he's a pretty sneaky NBA prospect this year, especially if he can continue to show progression in his three-point shooting, very possibly a 3-and-D style versatile four-man. Uh, number two in the conference, Isaac, you have North Carolina, and the Tar Heel fans are not going to be happy to hear that they are not in Duke's class, in your opinion. So good luck headed down to uh, that section of North Carolina. Tell us why. Yeah, I actually think North Carolina is going to exceed expectations this year. Don't back it year. up. Don't They're, back it up. Yeah, come on. They are. They are. This team is really talented. They're really, really good. I think that I like the connecting pieces that they have in place. And when you have RJ Davis and you have Armando Baycott, that's a two-man game that I think can play with anybody. But, you know, Caleb Love leaves, he goes to Arizona. And I think it was a really important for Hubert Davis to find the right role players that want to be role players. And I think Elliot Cadeau is a guy that can be a role player and a set the table point guard. I think when you have Cormac Ryan, a knockdown catch and shoot guy out of Notre Dame, he can be a really impactful role player. And then the jury is still out on how Harrison Ingram, the prize Stanford transfer, kind of mixes in with this group. But guys that when you have real legit stars and then a bunch of improving old role players, I, I think that's a group that can really coalesce and maybe they can join Duke as, as a tier one team in the ACC. Well, I'll tell you what, I think Cadeau's addition is going to be crucial because, in my opinion, kind of the fatal flaw of last year's North Carolina team was that the ball didn't move. You put Cadeau in the lineup, as you said, he's a prototypical point guard. It frees up R.J. Davis to do what he does most instinctively, and that is score the basketball. Somebody I've been watching since he was an underclassman at Archbishop Stepanak High School in New York. Uh, you know, he can play the point, but he's natural as a scoring guard, as a two guard a combo, if you will. So I, I think that's going to be a much more beneficial situation for him and could have ripple effects for the entire North Carolina team. 
Your third pick in the ACC among the real contenders was a Final Four team last year, and that's Miami. Yeah, Miami is a team that analytics don't necessarily always love, but the results on the floor continue to be elite. And you lose Isaiah Wong, you lose Jordan Miller. Those are huge, enormous losses. But I think getting Norchad O'Meara back, getting Nigel Pack back, two transfers in their second year with Miami are going to have a really huge role. Uga Poplar is a breakout candidate. He can put his chin on the rim. And then you add Matthew Cleveland out of Florida State, another intriguing long-term piece. There's just a lot of talent with this group. I don't think it's the deepest team. They're not as old as they were last year. I think it could be a little bit rocky at times, but offensively, this is a, a gorgeous group of basketball players that all mesh together so, so well. I think they're going to have four different guys that can lead them in scoring on any given night. And, you know, those those last two players you just mentioned, Wuga and Cleveland, uh, we're not going to talk about them later because they're not in my top five NBA prospects, but I think they're both NBA prospects, someone that scouts are going to be intrigued to see and certainly could have the breakout season that you are talking about. Number four in your ACC preseason rankings, if you will, was Virginia. What is it about Tony Bennett's club, except the fact that they win every year, that makes you optimistic? You know, I think defensively, this is a team that they might have a lot of new faces in different roles, but when you have Reese Beekman and you can fill in all the other pieces around him defensively, there's a lot to like there. And I think a big reason I'm high on Virginia is that these sophomores are really talented. Ryan Dunn is a kid out of Virginia that just got so much better as the year went on. I think he is a sneaky defensive player of the year candidate. If Reese Beekman wasn't on this team, he's a great defender. Isaac McNeely, big time shot maker. Andrew Rohde, a transfer out of St. Pete. Or, um, excuse me, out of out of in Minnesota and at a program in there, St. Thomas, a terrific shot maker. I think he's going to be a really impactful piece for them as well. And if those sophomores kind of come into play along with Reese Beekman, this is a Virginia team that's just really, really talented and they have a lot of depth. And Tony Bennett finds a way to grind out ACC wins, just like he always does every single year. You know, you, you mentioned Reese Beekman. Uh, I'll give you a spoiler alert. He is on my list of top five NBA prospects in the ACC. Uh, I thought he might have been picked last year. I think kind of that gritty, defensive-minded guard, as long as that jumper will hold up, someone who is also capable and willing of running the show as a point guard at the next level, doesn't have to be a ball-dominant lead guard. I think there's a market for that in the NBA. I'm not saying he's going to be a lottery pick or anything like that, but I think he's got a chance to be a first-rounder. And Dunn is another one who didn't play a big role last year, but all the feedback I've gotten out of Charlottesville uh, in the last month is that NBA scouts are intrigued with what they see, see from him and, and looking forward to seeing what comes this season. Last but not least, you have Clemson in your top five. This is obviously a big year for them. Um, what is it about them that, that makes you say they're a top five team in the ACC? Yeah, I'm a little conflicted on them because uh, the reason I loved Clemson last year was Hunter Tyson was such a great, phenomenal fit and his, a guy that just got so much better. So he leaves. I still just like this roster construction. Offensively, I think you could make a case that Clemson could have maybe the most potent offense in the ACC, which is saying something because P.J. Hall is terrific, but they've added just hordes of shooting. They're going to have multiple lineups, five lineups or five-man lineups with shooters all over the floor. Joe Girard out of Syracuse is going to be a huge get for them. Chase Hunter is one of the most underrated point guards in the league. This is a team that's going to need to win games in shootout mode, but they can, and P.J. Hall kind of is the centerpiece of everything they want to do on both ends of the floor. All right, Isaac, now we are going to transition and talk about the best college players in the ACC. This is according to your list, the top 100 players in college basketball this year. 
Number one, you have Kyle Filipowski from Duke, who was second overall in your top 100. Number two in the ACC is Armando Baycott, number seven in your top 100 of college basketball. Three, Tyrese Proctor, another top 10 prospect overall. P.J. Hall from Clemson is four, and Nigel Pack from Miami is number five. Now, here's how we're going to do it. As you break down what makes them among the best college players in the country in the ACC, I'm then going to do a counterpoint on their NBA stock. So I will let you get started with Kyle Filipowski. Well, let's start with having two healthy hips should be um, really, really impactful and be a, a helpful piece of what Kyle Filipowski can do. But schematically, Duke is prepared to play a very different brand of basketball with moving flip to the five. I think that just showcases a little bit of everything what he can do. I'd love to see more of him as a playmaker, more of him taking these big bruising centers out of the paint and kind of showing off his handles. But he is an excellent, excellent offensive player. I think there's 20 and 10 potential here with him. He's phenomenal. And I feel like Duke has a chance to have the national player of the year if Zach Eady didn't exist, right? Because Zach Eady's a cheat code. I think Flip enters the league or enters this season as, you know, one of those tier All-Americans, like just clear tier All-Americans. And this is the rare occurrence in kind of this era of college basketball where there's a big man who is both a good college basketball player, a dominant college basketball player, and also a very good NBA prospect. He not, may not be an elite NBA prospect, not the prototypical modern-day big man by NBA standards, but I do think he's an NBA player, and I think he has a chance to play his way into the lottery this year. Isaac, you just said it. His mismatchability and playmaking, whether you're using him as a big four or a small ball five, I think that translates to the NBA. You saw the Denver Nuggets win it last year, and so now all of a sudden everybody's looking for the next Jokic. Well, that may be fool's gold, but the closest thing you may find in college basketball is flip because what he's always done best is handle the ball and make plays against other bigger defenders who couldn't keep him in front. He's got a terrific touch around the rim, and he can really pass. The narrative that he was a knockdown shooter going into Duke last year was, quite frankly, just a lazy one. I mean, I remember talking to Kyle when he was in high school, and we both kind of laughed about the fact that people were calling him this knockdown shooter because he's always been more of a handler, passer, and playmaker than he was a shooter. Now, the shooting's going to keep coming and keep evolving, and it's going to make him all the more dangerous. But I do think, as I said, he's got a chance to play his way into the lottery. All right, Isaac, number two on your board was Armando Baycott from North Carolina. You're keeping that Duke 1, uh, North Carolina 2 theme alive here. So what is it that you like about Baycott? Uh, the consistency. Uh, you know, I think there's uh, an effort with him on a, every single night that I never have to question. You always see that he shows up on a night-to-night -night basis. He's a warrior. He fights through injuries. We've seen him bring it on the highest of levels in the Final Four. We've seen him play at a really, really high level. I think that, again, the roster construction situation really matters. And this situation is set up for Armando Baycott to get the basketball. And that's a good thing for North Carolina. And it didn't happen enough last year. I think that's going to change. And I think he's going to be due for another huge year. I mean, it's crazy how many big men can we can go into this season going, yeah, I mean, he could go 17 and 13, and those are bonkers video game-like numbers, but that's not crazy for him to average 17 points and 13 rebounds this year because he's such a dominant force on both ends of the floor. Yeah, he's an elite rebounder. I, I think the thing from an NBA perspective that's hard for a lot of college fans to understand 
is his player archetype isn't necessarily one that is in high demand in the NBA. That's not me saying he's not going to play in the NBA. It's just that he will have to be the exception to the rule. Reason for that is he's not really an elite rim protector, especially from an athletic standpoint. And he's also not a floor spacer on the offensive end. So there's a level of versatility there that NBA teams typically are looking for these days in their big men that Baycott doesn't necessarily have. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I totally expect him to be a dominant player in college. Exactly what happens to his NBA stock, we'll have to wait and see. All right, third overall on your list, and also among uh, my top two NBA prospects, is Tyrese Proctor at Duke, who's returning for his sophomore season. What makes him one of the best players in college basketball? Yeah, I think we're doing a little projecting here by putting Certainly. Tyrese Proctor as a top 10 player in college basketball. But his eye test, he just continues to pass it. And especially late in the year, you see what he was able to do in pick and rolls. And you know, they're the archetype of a, a breakout sophomore season. You look at Johnny Davis, you look at Keegan Murray, you look at Jaden Ivey, three recent examples. You're kind of hoping that Tyrese Proctor can follow along that same path. But I think it might be okay to, to understand that his stats might not be as gaudy as some other guys, because Duke has a lot of mouths to feed. But he's going to be an, an elite player who can get his shot whatever he wants. That mid-range jump is nasty. I think his three-point shooting is going to continue to progress defensively, positional size. He just brings a lot to the table. So, yeah, it's kind of a leap to say, yeah, he's a top 10 player when he didn't really put up huge numbers last year. And the path is there for him to have a really, really huge year. Yeah, you just hit the nail on the head, though. He's got to make shots. I, I really thought there were two crucial variables coming out of last season. The first one, he's got to shoot the ball better from the three-point line. The second one, they've got to get him more space to operate. And listen, I've, I've talked about this a lot, Duke's offensive spacing last year, and I know a lot of it was constructed to, they had certain guys they had to get on the floor and they were dominant defensively, so they just had to figure out how to make it work offensively. But you give Tyrese Proctor a ball screen and you give him enough space with enough shooting around him, he is going to make the right read because he's got an instinctive feel for the game. His body's going to take another step after having another year in a college weight room. Remember, he reclassified to get to Duke a year earlier than planned. So physically, you know there's going to be a maturation. And then if he shoots the ball as well as he should be able to, because there's nothing wrong with his mechanics and he's got good natural touch, all of those things are a recipe that should make him one of the best point guard prospects in this year's draft if everything goes according to plan. All right, two more players in your top five. You've got P.J. Hall from Clemson. One of the best shooting big men in the country. Uh, you, I think at the NBA Draft Combine, he really opened some eyes with his form, his ability to knock down shots from the perimeter. I think we'll see that a little bit more with Clemson. Clemson's going to play a lot more five out, and he's going to be able to have those pick-and-pop threes where he can go to work. And I think the thing for him is health. Every single year has been a, something has popped up, and you just hope that he can put it all together. But he's had a healthy offseason. I think that's going to parlay into a really, really big year because, again, this Clemson team is amazing offensively when he's on the floor. He's such a connector for everything. He makes everyone's life so much easier. And Clemson went into the portal to add a bunch of shooting just to make P.J. Hall be the most impactful player he can be. So he has to reward their faith, and I think he will. I think he's a sneaky threat to lead the ACC in scoring. So offensively, I think there's a translatable role, even though it will be far less volume because he can stretch the floor and he can be a ball mover. I think his NBA stock is tied to his defense and specifically his defensive versatility and what he can show in that area in the coming year. That, that's going to be the crucial variable for P.J. Hall in his hopes to play his way into the NBA. Rounding out your top five is Nigel Pack from Miami. 
Yeah, I'll be honest, this is a really tough call. Nigel Pack versus Reese Beekman is a very much of like, what do you prioritize from your lead guard? I think if anyone wanted to say Reese Beekman is, is more valuable than Nigel Pack, I could also understand it. But Nigel Pack, the shot making with him is huge. He makes tough shots. He added a mid-range game to his game. He's a great teammate too. He is a willing teammate. He's a guy that, he got a big public NIL deal, two years, $800,000 to come to Miami. But he didn't act like, oh, the show belongs to me. I need to take 17, 18 shots a game. He was very, very uh, a willing passer. And I think what we're gonna see this year is he has to tap that I'm an alpha score button a little bit more. Miami needs that from him. I think he can do that. He can, and again, we talk a lot about how Miami has a lot of different guys, but Nigel Pack might be the piece that really gets it all going because he changes the area of the floor that you have to guard when you're setting logo ball screens and he can really pull from 30, 35 feet. That's fair. And I, I think he's a he's another player, though, that projects as a better college player than NBA prospect. There's there's some concerns over his his lack of size and, and physical gifts. The shooting obviously translate, but who does he defend and can he play the point? Those are some of the variables that NBA scouts are going to be watching. My top five NBA prospects in the league, Kyle Filipowski, in no specific order, Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, Judah Mintz, Reese Beekman, and Baba Miller. We've already talked about Flip and Proctor as well as Reese Beekman. Two players left to break down, Judah Mintz and Baba Miller. We will start with Mintz. This is a player who came very close to declaring for last year's draft. In fact, there was some sentiment that he could have been a late first round pick. He exceeded expectations at Syracuse, and now he's back as a sophomore to really take over as the unquestioned leader of that team. He's got a first year head coach, and they've gone to the portal to add some reinforcements around him, beginning with J.J. Starling and kind of what Syracuse hopes will be this dynamic backcourt. I think the key for Judah Mintz is that he has shown he can be a lead guard. That was not necessarily at least my impression of him coming out of high school. He was always a gritty player and a defender who figured out ways to score and really played hard. But it's been the overall feel and progression as a lead guard, which has helped his NBA stock. Isaac, what are your impressions of what his role could be on this Syracuse team? I'm fascinated to find out how they toggle between J.J. Starling and Judah Mintz as if, if someone kind of takes the reins as the lead point guard and the other one's more of like the combo, like I'm going to go score and lead this team in scoring. Both of those guards are super talented. Both of them have a ton of athleticism, but both of them have shooting concerns. You can probably go under ball screens there, so the spacing could be a little bit different with both of those guys. But I think with Mintz, I think you can see a little bit more of his all-around game this year because this is a roster that's way more talented than it was last year. They have a lot of breakout candidates, too, coming up. Benny Williams is a guy that I really like. And you have a chance for, for him to show, hey, I'm also a point guard, but I can switch to the two a little bit. I can play a lot of different roles. I can get other guys involved. And then I can also go get mine, too. And I felt like last year it was like, hey, I got to score because we're kind of frustratingly bad right now offensively, and I'm just going to do it on volume. And, and I think this year we can see a more efficient, different version of, of Judah Mintz that honestly helps Syracuse be a, a sneaky dark horse in the ACC that's really wide open. All right, that is also fair. Last guy to mention, Baba Miller. Uh, his freshman season at Florida State last year was delayed 16 games by what many considered to be an unfair suspension. He arrived with a ton of hype. I mean, this is a skilled seven-footer who's long and only beginning to, to fill out his frame. But the production never lived up to the potential in his freshman season. Now, bounce back a little bit this past summer in some FIBA play, and so there's, there's some hope that that'll be a sign of things to come as a sophomore. So I'm taking a little bit of a flyer here 
because of the tools, because of the size and the skill, if he's able to put it all together, and let's face it, this is a Florida State team that could really use somebody to step up and assert himself, I think he will play his way back up into NBA draft contention. Uh, his stock certainly took a hit last year, but he's too talented to rule out all together. Isaac, what do you think about Baba Miller's role this season? Yeah, I think a normal offseason with a whole team will be huge in finding out what type of role you have. I also think Primo Spears is one to watch here. He needs a waiver, big-time shot maker, but he's more of a volume kind of guy. He has a chucker kind of label. I think if he's not playing, that really opens the door for Baba Miller to be arguably their first or second offensive option and changes how Florida State will be. And this is a Florida State team. Like I, I'm very hard for me to give up on Florida State. Florida State is one of those teams that every year I really like because there's so much length and athleticism all up and down the roster. And Baba Miller's the big key to all of this. If he's a breakout sophomore, I think you could, again, see Florida State going. I mean, they're picked right now near the bottom of the ACC, 13th, 14th, 12th, that area. That's a team that has the roster that's a lot more talented than teams that are picked ahead of them, and, and Miller's a big reason why. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, that is everything you need to know about the ACC. And now we are going to turn our attention to the SEC to talk about, once again, the best teams, the best players, and the best NBA prospects, comparing and contrasting the last two. Isaac, I'm going to run it back to you. The number one team on your SEC board is Tennessee. Tell me why. I feel like outwardly a lot of people are struggling to find their favorite in the SEC. It's not that hard for me. I, I am totally on board with Tennessee as my favorite SEC team. Defensively, there is so much here when you have five upperclassmen returning that know the defensive schemes. That's enormous. And then when you add just the dash of these newcomers are really, really intriguing to me. Dalton Connect, a transfer out of Northern Colorado. He's six foot six. He can go dunk it all over you big time shot maker i think he's going to help them they have young guys that are coming up and getting better jemai mayshack is a, a defensive player of the year candidate jonas adu great rim protector santiago vescovi great shot maker they're deep they're talented they're tough i think defensively they're going to be really really good but i think offensively some of these newcomers have that shot making that juice that they that they just didn't have last year so I like a lot of teams in the SEC, but Tennessee is my favorite by a pretty wide margin. I mean, Rick Barnes's team's always phenomenal on the defensive end of the floor. I'm really fascinated from a personnel standpoint to see if any of those players are able to emerge and establish themselves, uh, not as, as really good college players, because I think that'll happen, but as legitimate NBA prospects. Can Josiah James start to make threes consistently? Because he's got the body type to translate. We'll have to see. One team that has had no problem uh, making NBA players over the years is Arkansas and the Must Bus. You have them at number two on your, your board of the real contenders. Tell us about the Must Bus. Loaded team. Loaded team of talent. You have a lot of newcomers coming in every single year, but Must does a great job of finding what you're really good at and using it on a matchup by matchup basis. And I think Trayvon Brazil is a big time breakout candidate, potential first team all SEC, potential SEC player of the year contender. He was phenomenal last year when he was healthy. 
6'11", can really shoot it, just super talented. I'm excited to see what he can do, but if, if Arkansas is going to outplay preseason expectations and potentially win the SEC, their guards have to carry them, and it's L. Ellis, it's Tremone Mark, a kid out of Houston I love, Khalif Battle, a transfer out of Temple, that's awesome, and Devo Davis, who's really the, the straw that stirs the drink. He's like their emotional leader, tough, nasty lefty, can really defend, so I think this group is going to guard. They have a lot of switchability from their guards, and they have real rim protection. I think they have enough shot making, enough guys that can go play iso ball, and Muscle will figure it out. That's just what he does, and in an SEC that has a lot of questions, I trust Muscleman with a new look roster more than other coaches that are having as the same amount of change. All right, Brazil is the guy I want to talk about here because flashback about 10 months ago, they've got these three McDonald's All-Americans coming in. You've got Musk with the three burgers because nobody plays the narrative and, and is more creative with the way they market the program than he is. But it was this guy, the Missouri transfer, who didn't do much for Mizzou as a freshman, who came in and, in my opinion, was the best of, let's call it, four young prospects a year ago. He was incredible. Six foot ten, athletic big man who can also stretch the floor. That is an archetype that translates undeniably to the NBA. I thought he looked as good as any prospect on their team for NBA standards. Of course, then he tears the ACL, and it has been a fairly long road. We're told that everything is progressing as expected, but he was not 100% at, at the start of practice, and so it remains to be seen what's going to happen this year. I will say this. I think NBA scouts are very, very intrigued. You're not hearing as much buzz in the national media about Brazil's NBA credentials, but I think given the, the uh, NBA scouts will, will watch and not rush to judgment as he works his way back from that ACL, he's definitely one of the best NBA prospects in the SEC. All right, at number three on your SEC list of real contenders, you had Alabama. What is What can we expect from Nate Oates this year? Man, I think there's 90 points per game in their range of expected outcomes. I don't think that'd be crazy. This is a roster that's going to really, really score. Ryland Griffin is a very fun breakout candidate. Grant Nelson, the transfer out of North Dakota State, is another guy that everybody's very excited to watch. But these guards are going to carry this team. Aaron Estrada, a transfer out of Hofstra, is a really talented bucket getter. I think he's their point guard, though. Mark Sears, year two of Mark Sears. I've talked about it a lot, but these, these second years from transfers that transferred up from the mid-major level to the high-major level, we've seen big jumps. Tyler Kolick at Marquette turns into the Big East Player of the Year. Jalen Pickett goes from Siena to Penn State and turns into an All-American and All-Big Ten guy. I wonder what that looks like for Sears in year two at Alabama. And this team is really, really talented. They're young. They're a little bit thin. I wish they'd be better defensively. Losing Charles Bediaco really stings on that end defensively. But offensively, this team could really, really score. And I'm trusting that Nate Oates will out-Matthew and get enough high-quality shots to potentially grind out you know, a top-four finish in the SEC. You know who nobody's talking about? Nobody's talking about Jaron Stevenson, who reclassified up to go to Alabama. And the word I'm getting is that he is farther along at this point than Noah Clowney was a year ago. And this is also a terrific fit for Stevenson because he's really a prototypical stretch four. Call him a big wing if you want, he's a stretch four. And in Nate Oates' system, that prioritizes three-point shooting and gives you the ultimate green light because they don't want mid-range jumpers. This is tailor-made for him to come in and make an immediate impact and potentially get on the NBA radar sooner than we might have expected. All right, Isaac, Auburn is a team that you're a little bit higher on than the consensus. Why is that? 
I think they have one of the best front courts in the country. Jalen Williams is a super underrated four man. And then you add Janai Broom, a year two guy that, again, he fits the model, right? As a year two transfer up, who was really good in year one, I think he could be excellent in year two. But a big part of the reason why I'm in on Auburn is these guards. And Denver Jones, a transfer out of FIU, is fabulous. One coach told me that he was the second best offensive bucket getter in Conference USA behind Jelly Walker last year. They loved him. He was a 20 points per game scorer and with elite efficiency all across the board. I think he's a plug and play high major starter. And then five-star Aiden Holloway, another big time shot maker that they're adding to this backcourt. And Auburn's guards were not good enough last year. They didn't shoot it well enough. And the front court pieces still found a way to be successful. So I'm just putting two and two together, really talented backcourt with a really proven old front court. That's a match made in heaven. I think that this Auburn team is going to outplay preseason expectations. I have them fourth. I'm about as high as, as you could be on Auburn this year. All right. Now, one team you are a little lower on than the consensus is Texas A&M. And I'm going to tell you, I think Buzz Williams is offended. That's okay. You know, that's okay. I understand it. Maybe I'm wrong, but the thing was is they won eight straight two possession games to end the regular season last year. You know, they had a great season. They got hot at the right time. I love Wade Taylor. He's my pick for SEC player of the year, but I just have some concerns about if you can win with two big lineups long term. I think it's a, a, a team that if you play their way, they're really, really good. If you don't, I think, and you force them to play different ways, it could be a little bit tough. And I like some of the depth pieces that they've added. This is a really good team. I think they're in that big tier here of, of tier two teams that I think could potentially knock off Tennessee and win the league. But I still have some concerns long-term of if they have enough shooting, they have enough playmaking outside of Wade Taylor, and if you can win with multiple non-shooters on the floor when they're playing Henry Coleman and Julius Marble together in the front court. Now, I couldn't help but notice Kentucky was not listed within your top five programs in the SEC. So while Lexington moves to have you barred from any uh, public broadcast moving forward, we're going to transition into the best players and the best prospects because, let's face it, Kentucky always has a lot of players and prospects. Going to go down your list of the top five. Wade Taylor from Texas A&M. You said he's your SEC Player of the Year choice to begin the season. Justin Edwards from Kentucky. Janai Broom from Auburn. Santiago Vascovi from Tennessee. And Riley Kugel from Florida. Now, we've already talked about Taylor, Broom, and Vascovi. Let's talk about Justin Edwards for, for Kentucky. You've got him as the second best player in the conference. I have him as the best NBA prospect in the conference. And I'm trying not to, to rank players uh, for NBA purposes this early in the season. I just think this one is not particularly close at the moment. What do you envision his role being for John Calipari this season? I think he's their most efficient scorer at all three levels. Antonio Reeves is a really good scorer, I think, from three-point range. I think he has a mid-range game. But I think with Justin Edwards, there's like, can he potentially be their version of Brandon Miller where he's able to be an initiator of offense? I don't know if, if Kentucky will trust him enough, but there's just so much here that I like about his game. The catch-and-shoot threes, I think, will stick. But I love his ability to embrace the dirty work. He's an awesome offensive rebounder. He cuts and moves without the basketball. I think those type of qualities offensively will help him be a really really impactful piece for a Kentucky team yeah I don't have him in my top five but they just missed the cut there they're really talented they're in that tier of teams that can be awesome if Justin Edwards can be their version of Brandon Miller who's an SEC player of the year contender Kentucky's going to finish inside the top four I just have some some questions about the rest of the roster 
All right, now another player who we both have in our top five, top five uh, college players and top five NBA prospects is Riley Kugel from Florida. What do you like about him as a college player? Man, there's just a lot to love here. I think offensively, down the stretch, he was as good as any freshman in the SEC outside of Brandon Miller. He created his own offense for a Florida team that really didn't shoot it very well last year. So now Todd Golden goes into the portal, adds a bunch of knockdown shooters like Walter Clayton. You're getting him in from Iona, who was coached from by Rick Pitino or Richard Rick Pitino. And then you add in a situation where Kugel can be like this featured scorer with Colin Castleton out of the mix with all this loads of shooting around him. I just think this is a smash spot for him to be, you know, 16, 17, 18 points per game score because he can do it in a lot of different ways. He's great off of post-ups. They use him in, on catch and shoots. They use him in really smart, different situations where he can attack a lot of different mismatches as, as an oversized guard. Yeah, I thought Riley Kugel was the most naturally talented player on Florida's roster last year. Not to say he was their best player, but their most naturally talented player. And we saw a linear escalation of his game all season long. In fact, he averaged 17 points per game in Florida's last 10. So I think he is in prime position to emerge as a breakout sophomore. You made the point he's going to be surrounded by a whole lot more shooting, and that should open up his offensive game. This is a big guard who we considered a combo, if not a true point in high school. So he's got feel, he's got playmaking, he's got the ability to defend multiple positions. The shooting held up better than expected last year as a freshman. And if he can sustain that or even make another stride, I think it's very possible that this is his last season in Gainesville. All right, that's going to lead us to my top five NBA prospects. We've already talked about a lot of these guys, Justin Edwards, Trevin Brazil, Riley Kugel, and then DJ Wagner, and Aaron Bradshaw, along with Big Z, because I think they're a little bit of a tandem there at Kentucky. Let's talk DJ Wagner. Isaac, DJ Wagner had the was under the microscope from the very first day he became a high school freshman. He played at Camden High School, where his dad was a legend, where his grandfather was a legend, and he was considered a hard Kentucky lean basically his whole career, to the point where almost no one else recruited him until former Calipari Lieutenant Kenny Payne gets the Louisville job and now it's brother versus brother to get DJ Wagner. Kentucky comes out on top even when Kenny Payne hires his grandfather. So I think there's no doubt you don't go to those lengths to get DJ Wagner and then not have him play a central role from day one. So DJ Wagner is going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to attack, which is what he does best. He's going to look to score the basketball. And he's also going to bring a competitive mentality that is unusual for a freshman. Now, there are some questions about how his game translates to the NBA level because he's not a true point. He's not a dynamic athlete in terms of his power or leaping ability for those standards. And he's not a knockdown three-point shooter. So there are some questions he's going to have to answer, but I think he's going to have the platform to show what he can do at Kentucky this season. No doubt. No doubt. I think the other thing I love about him is the two-man game that he's starting to develop with Trey Mitchell. Trey Mitchell, very good passer. Mm. I think when you're able to put him with DJ Wagner, DJ Wagner off-ball cutting, I think they had a nice little symbiotic relationship there. It's not Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, but you see some of those things where they can do the handoffs, they can do the backdoor cuts, they can curl it off of it. I think there's a lot of different ways to get DJ Wagner in positions to be very successful for this Kentucky team. You know, if, if we're highlighting or, or trying to, to see 
which is the SEC freshman of the year. I think it's Justin Edwards, and I think it's E.J. Wagner, and those two teammates are going to be duking it out all year long because they're going to have huge roles. I expect both guys to have 23 24 25% usage rates for Kentucky this year. All right, let's keep it on Kentucky. You mentioned Trey Mitchell. He played the five in their foreign tour, which I thought was great. I thought it opened the floor, uh, allowed them to play a different style than we've seen over the years with more spacing. But they've got three seven-footers on this roster. And while two of them are currently on the injured list in Aaron Bradshaw and Ugansa, uh, it's going to be a challenge to see what happens this season. So I think the NBA prospects of their big guys are kind of tied to each other. Because, listen, I know John Calipari likes to play big over the years, but it's going to be really hard to play two of these guys together, even when they get healthy. So Bradshaw is someone that has every bit of the talent you would want for an NBA prospect. He's seven feet tall. He's got touch to three. He's got touch around the rim. He runs. He catches. He can post. He's got to get stronger, and he's got to make sure the motor runs full throttle, not unlike plenty of other big guys we've discussed as NBA prospects. But he's out until probably late November with a foot injury as is Ugana Kingsley. So, Big Z. And here's the thing. If John Calipari says he can't pronounce his name, I'm sure not going to try. Cal calls him Big Z. We're going to call him Big Z on this show. Seven foot two, out of Croatia. Tried the, uh, it went through the draft process last year. Opted to go to Kentucky in August. And I think with the intent of being a one-and-done prospect. Again, I'm going to say this. Does Bradshaw take off? Does Big Z take off? I think it's very possible that whoever doesn't ends up returning to Kentucky next year, even though they both come in with one-and-done expectations. But how do we manage that dynamic, or how does Cal manage that dynamic between those two young seven-footers? Yeah, I think they're both different, and that's the thing that really makes it interesting. You know, Aaron Bradshaw might not be the most talented player in this Kentucky recruiting class, but I think he's as important as anybody in this class just because the rim protection that he brings to the table would be enormous, especially if the three sticks where you can have some of that ball movement and spacing. And, and then with Zivonimir Avisic, yes, I watched his video to learn how he said it, right? I think the three-point shot that he adds to is a different element. You know, I think Bradshaw can make threes. I think if Isich is coming here saying that's my game like he talks a lot about how the three is his most important thing he talks about trying to emulate Kevin Durant so I think they're a little bit different with what they can do and you can kind of use them as a platoon while Ugana Onyenso gets healthy and, and then you kind of figure it out from there because I don't think either one of them is a savior for this team but I think together this collective I think it could be one of the more intriguing five-man platoons in the SEC because there's just so much talent here all right so the five NBA prospects I'm most intrigued with in the SEC going into the season a lot of Kentucky uh, Justin Edwards DJ Wagner Kentucky and then whichever of those freshman bigs really emerges the most Trevin Brazil at Arkansas Riley Kugel at Florida all right, that is it for this week's edition of College Basketball Recruiting Weekly. Be sure to stay with us next week as we will wrap up season previews with a look at the Big East and the SEC. Until then, you can find us at 247sports.com and on the 247sports channel.